0: COVID-19 can be characterised as a pandemic. Our goal is to protect the lives and livelihoods of Australians. We have breaking news on a
1: corona scare. The panic buying, self-isolating on a statewide level.
0: Stop it. It's Monday 6th of April. Welcome to Coronavirus Watch. Natalie Bongiolo and Ben O'Shea with you. And the numbers of new cases in WA were down again today, Ben.
1: Yeah, absolutely, Nat. It's really great to see uh, only seven new cases in Western Australia today. There was 31 over the weekend, though. It's important to remember that. But it's certainly a sign that the rate of infections is decreasing in WA, which is the most important thing that we want to see at the moment. Uh, Of uh, those new cases, we can now say that uh, there are 460 in total in Western Australia, uh, 58 people in hospital, 18 in the ICU. uh, And in WA, there have been 18,266 people tested for COVID-19. And so far, 162 people have recovered, which is really a great story as well that we don't focus on enough. I guess.
0: Absolutely. We like to look at the recoveries and um, it does give us a sense of hope. And nationally, what are the figures looking like today? Nationally, 108
1: new cases, which sounds like a lot.
0: But again, this is
1: another great result in terms of the reduction of the rate of infections. Since April 1, we've really been stepping down. It was about 300 new cases a day uh, around the start of April, but now to see only 108 in the last 24 hours is is a big, big step forwards in the right direction. It brings the total in Australia to 5,795. The total number of deaths, though, has crept up. We're at 40 now, which does include one in Western Australia. There was an 84-year-old man who died at RPH in the last 24 hours he was a former passenger of the ruby princess and we know uh, what a problematic situation that cruise ship has been
0: and the um the youngest death today as well which was a man in his 50s uh who's died from the virus and it was interesting because the chief medical officer paul kelly said that of the people in hospital 96 of them are in icu 35 of those people on ventilators and that most of the people in ICU are in their 30s. And this would be quite shocking and disturbing to most people because until now, we have had this idea that younger people aren't as badly impacted.
1: Well, Paul Kelly made a special point of emphasising that. He wanted to, to make it clear that even though we know this virus has disproportionately killed the elderly, it certainly doesn't discriminate in terms of making people severely ill. And we're seeing young people get it nationally. The, the age cohort that has the most confirmed cases at the moment is actually 20 to 29-year-olds. So there's, it really, really important to note. We can't stress this enough. This is a disease that doesn't discriminate based on age. You might not die from it, but can, it, can, it can make you severely ill. It can land you in the ICU, and that's a bed that could be taken by somebody who needs it much more.
0: That's right. And Premier Mark McGowan today at his daily press conference, he's really a little bit worried about Easter because we do know that we're going to have some warm weather and he is really concerned that people may be drawn out of their houses, going to beaches, not following the rules. And should that happen, he has said he doesn't want to, but he would close the beach if he had to. And so he was really passionate today about staying home and staying with your family. And we all have to do the same thing, including him his him and his own kids.
1: Yeah, I think... The tone from the Premier was very interesting today. He was almost pleading, begging Mm. with Western Australians to do the right thing this weekend. We saw what happened a few weeks ago at Bondi when there was some warm weather and the beach was packed that resulted in the closing of Bondi permanently. He doesn't want to see that in Western Australia. We have a huge stretch of coastline. There is no need for people to be packed in like sardines. They can maintain social distance and still go to the beach. He knows that's such an important part of who we are as Western Australians. And he was begging today, don't be stupid. Don't be an idiot." stick to the guidelines. He made it clear that the police would be enforcing it and he didn't want people to force him to close the beaches. I don't think anybody wants to see that. So you have to do the right thing this weekend. And he was very clear as well that at this time, at Easter is a time when families get together There are going to be some limitations on what you can and can't do. You have to stay with the people in your own household. Uh, It's not going to be easy, but technology is there to ease the burden. So whether that's Zoom or FaceTime or just a a text message or a phone call, stay in touch with your loved ones. You don't have to be so isolated, but you've got to stick to the guidelines. Otherwise, there'll be even tougher restrictions placed on all of us.
0: That's right. It's not a time to do an Easter egg hunt at Nana and Grandad's or your cousins or your aunties. Stay in the backyard and just do your Easter egg hunt at home with the members of your own family. It was interesting, um, the Commissioner said today, Chris Dawson, that he's also concerned that while we're doing the right thing right now about what's going to happen in the next couple of weeks when we all start to get sick of isolation, and this is going to be the danger period. And it was interesting, the Premier was asked today, does he also believe that that... Is the case, and he agreed that yes, it is going to be a matter of how long we can stick at this.
1: Yeah, and he had some advice for people to buy a book, to download Netflix. He acknowledged that it was going to be tough, and people might go, what did he say, a little stir crazy, (laughs) uh, get cabin fever. I don't think anybody is under any illusions that it's going to be easy. I think everybody knows that being (laughs) locked in a house, uh, even with your own family members, can be a bit testing at times. (laughs) Uh, But it is the situation that we're stuck with we all have to do the best that we can and he the premier urged people to 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 find ways to make the time pass a little bit more comfortably
0: and the press conference today happened in front of you know massive boxes of equipment and, and bubble wrap and wrapping and this was because they had just taken possession of $5 million worth of PPE and um, the health minister, Roger Cook, was talking about that and what that will do for us and what kinds of things are in that shipment.
1: They were very proud, and rightly so, to be able to show off this massive amount of PPE because we know around the world there is such a huge shortage for this protective equipment for frontline uh, first responders and also the medical staff that need this stuff as they're treating people with COVID-19. And so we're looking at today more than uh, a million face masks, which is astonishing, 600,000 gloves, 100,000 face shields. Uh, And the Premier and and the Health Minister, Roger Cook, were clear that they, they wanted to demonstrate that those frontline responders and health staff that, that we had their back, that the government had their back and it was going to be distributed both here in the metro area to those who need it and also to regional WA. That was going to get to where it was needed because as we know this virus has taken a huge toll on those frontline health staff. Uh, currently I think there's more than 100 doctors and nurses around the world that have been killed by COVID-19 so they definitely need it uh, desperately.
0: That's right, and. Uh the Director General of Health, which is Dr. David Russell-Weiss, he said that this is really an additional two months worth of supply, but he said that actually isn't still enough and we still are a long way from where we need to be for when the virus hits WA for real. And I found that a very interesting um, thing to say, that for when it hits for real.
1: Well, it's terrifying. And Early on in the piece when it came to this uh, coronavirus pandemic, we spoke about the importance of buying time uh, and what we've been able to do with the social distancing measures and some of the restrictions in place is flatten that curve. We've done an amazing job at it uh, and it's bought time to get these supplies, to get the PPE, to get extra beds in the ICU, ventilators, all this kind of stuff. Not that we need it today, but when we need it for three months time or whenever it might be that the peak of infections happen.
0: Yeah, and I think it was um, also very important that some of this PPE is going to the Kimberley where it is going to be very desperately needed.
1: Oh yeah, there's there's still a lot of concern with what's happening up in the Kimberley. They've opened a, a, they're going to open a COVID nineteen clinic in Broome on Wednesday, which I think is such an important step to firstly understanding what is happening up there and treating the people who have it. Uh, there was a, there was another case uh, reported up in the Kimberley, and when it was a health worker, I think a lot of people caught their breath because there's been a number of health workers up there who've contracted the virus. But then I think there was a sigh of relief that this was a health worker who'd actually been a Overseas, so she'd returned. Uh, they'd returned with the virus. Uh, it wasn't something that was caught uh, locally in the area, uh, which is which is good news. But obviously, there's still so much work to do up there. They're they're closing down the areas, uh, blocking off the communities, making sure there's not that travelling to and from within the communities. And with the COVID clinic up in Broome, there'll be more testing uh, and more facilities to be able to treat people who might have the virus.
0: And back here in Perth, it was interesting that uh, the Premier mentioned today that they have secured the Western Hotel as a quarantine hotel for healthcare workers here who obviously need to have 14 days of self-isolation. So really, they're just taking all sorts of steps and measures to keep people distance and separated, but really to keep the frontline healthcare workers as safe as possible.
1: Yeah. And I think the interesting thing about what uh, Premier McGowan said today was they weren't just going to put these hardworking health professionals in any old hotel. They weren't sending them to the Flag Motor Lodge in (laughs) Rivervale. They They wanted to put them in a nice hotel. He made it clear that this was something they wanted to do they wanted to make sure they had nice accommodation they were going to be looked after and the western is one of the nicest hotels in perth and so the government did a deal with the westerns to enable the health professionals to go in there if they need to be quarantined for 14 days Sure, they still have windows that don't open. They might not get fresh air and all the rest of it. But other than that, the surroundings there at the Western are lovely. It's a beautiful hotel. The rooms are lovely and well-appointed. So those health professionals will be well looked after, after looking after us.
0: Exactly. Uh, It's extraordinary to think just how much work is going on behind the scenes to bring all these things together. Because things that we don't even think about and then an announcement's made and you think, oh, wow, yes, of course we would need to do that. And one of the things that, you know, really everybody is thinking about, though, are the Year 12 students. I mean, my heart goes out to these kids who have spent the last 13 years at school. And, you know, what are the chances of them having to repeat Year 12?
1: Well, I I would recommend everybody, if they can, Watch one of Premier McGowan's press conferences and then you'll get a real idea of all of the of the balls that he's juggling at once because the questions that are thrown at him cover everything to do with this virus, everything to do with WA. He has to have the answers on the tips of his fingers. And today he was asked about year 12s, would there be a risk of them having to repeat? And he hoped that wasn't the case. He described it as uh, potentially debilitating for an entire generation of children if they would have to repeat year 12. There's ramifications with tertiary education and then the next cohort coming up it's it would be a big big mess if that had to happen i think everybody's hopeful that it won't but obviously so much so much of it is out of our control at the moment it will depend on what the online education is is able to be like and what the virus does itself maybe people will be able to go back into school soon enough that they'll be able to complete their studies and complete that year 12 it remains to be seen
0: yeah it is a critical time for them in their schooling and they really must be hoping for a change of good fortune.
1: Um, there'll be some kids who probably aren't <laughs> hoping that much. It's important to note some kids are probably quite happy about it, but certainly, certainly, there'll be some who would be very worried about their future right now.
0: Yeah, definitely, and some very disturbing news for Qantas today.
1: Yeah, this this is quite interesting. So, Qantas uh, air crews had been exempt from quarantine measures, and they've been conducting uh, they've been conducting uh, mercy missions, basically, to bring Australians back into the country, but there was a situation uh, over east where uh, a crew had flown back from Chile and they did not go into quarantine. They were let back out into the community because they're exempt. But then four of the crew have tested positive for COVID-19, which really throws into question this idea of making certain people, certain professions exempt from isolation. It's fine when you think about it from the perspective of those people getting their jobs done. But when something like this happens, you realise that COVID-19 doesn't respect exemptions.
0: Well, this is something that had actually been baffling me, that if all of the passengers of flights are going into quarantine, why aren't the staff on those flights? And, and this would apply to all flights. I mean, whether that be flights internationally, flights from interstate or FIFO flights. You know, if you're coming back from a FIFO shift and you're having to go into quarantine, what about the airline staff that are manning those flights? Yeah,
1: and we know that in the case of Qantas, so many of their flights have been grounded. You would think they would have the staff to be able to rotate crews through. They're able to take a crew off for a couple of weeks so they go through their their self-isolation and then bring them back on when they have no symptoms. There has to be a better system than this because now uh, the family members of this crew uh, have to be tested as well and have to go into isolation. There's a lot of spill-on effects about who this crew might have encountered from leaving the plane to getting back to their homes. It's not an ideal situation. I don't think anybody thinks that it is.
0: That's right. And, and I think if you we think about in the long term and in terms of FIFO, you know, uh, is this going to be the start of looking at it in a new way and for companies to become less reliant on FIFO workers and perhaps look at workers from within the areas, which is what the Federal Resources Minister, Keith Pitt, was talking about today? Yeah, he
1: certainly thinks that this could spell the end for FIFO. I think that's a pretty dramatic uh, prediction. But certainly there are you've got FIFO families who, since the start of this pandemic, have been forced to relocate to WA on a semi-permanent basis. Uh, certainly not they're not flying back to where they came from. If they wanted to keep their jobs, that was the only option with the hard border closures. So they've made the choice to, whether it's to go to Karratha or wherever else their town is, that their mine site is based. So, yep. Yeah, the The Resources Minister, he he believes that this is a sign that the mining companies could just kind of slow down the, the trend towards FIFO. I'm not sure if I necessarily think that will happen because we have to remember that the FIFO decision was always a kind of a cost-cutting measure. It made sense financially. So whether or not the mining companies think that there's the potential for more of these pandemics in the future so then it makes more financial sense to keep their staff on site... And Then you have to f- have to find the people willing to live in those towns as well. So, I know there are lots of regional towns that probably would like to see the end of FIFO.
0: <laughs> local councils would be absolutely celebrating um, the use of more workers from within their towns.
1: Yeah, well, exactly. Well, it means it means more rates for them. That's it's right. great for lo- local sporting clubs and social clubs because it just literally more people in town. And so, the the rise of FIFO has kind of taken away some of the lifeblood of those regional towns Uh, and so yeah i I, like people like uh, kalgoorlie mayor john john bowler he, he he is one who's been a critic of fifo he's called it the cancer of the bush so maybe he'll get what he wants Again, like so many things at the moment, it's too early to say for sure. Everybody's just trying to keep their head above water and navigate this uh, terrible situation.
0: That's right. Everything is up in the air, including football, which I, I really am missing football now. And AFL is obviously very keen to get these games started up again. But they've come up with this idea that I'm not sure how this would actually work.
1: Well, we we talked about this, we tipped this last uh, last Friday in Coronavirus Watch, the, but the AFL is still having discussions with with the state governments about how they could maybe base six teams in WA, six teams in the Northern Territory, and maybe six teams in Tasmania and run a smaller comp, uh, a, sort of a, a truncated season, and, uh, and the, the state government has been talking about uh, an exemption for Eagles and Dockers players to allow them to travel to and from the games. If we've learnt anything from this Qantas crew situation today, though, it's that exemptions, it's a pretty slippery slope, especially when you have West Aussies who are stuck on the wrong side of our hard border closure, uh, who would like to come home but can't. Why you would say that they can't come home, but then, you know, young, wealthy footy players with very few responsibilities other than kicking a ball between big sticks uh, get to fly willy-nilly across the borders. I, I just can't see it happening, to be honest. Like, I, it's it's a lovely idea, and I think everybody would like to see footy back, but it's until there's a vaccine, until there's any kind of herd immunity, it just seems so difficult to believe that there'll be large groups of people exempt from any kind of self-isolation, travelling interstate. It, it, it's hard to see.
0: Yeah, and I think, to be honest, it seemed a bit hard to see for the Premier as well because he was asked the question and he said, well, firstly, it's too early to speculate on the AFL, but what he did say is he will not be compromising on safety. So I think it's going to be hard to get that one across the line. Uh, Moving over to international news, and in the UK, obviously um, the Queen delivered an address to the nation, which was broadcast today, which is something she's only ever done a handful of times in her reign. Let's have a little listen. While we have faced challenges before, this one is different. This time we join with all nations across the globe in a common endeavour using the great advances of science and our instinctive compassion to heal. We will succeed, and that success will belong to every one of us. We should take comfort that while we may have more still to endure, better days will return. We will be with our friends again. We will be with our families again. We will meet again. They must really be hurting in the UK, where you know they've also got their prime minister who's in hospital with COVID nineteen complications. Um, but that wasn't an amazing address by the Queen.
1: It's stirring, isn't it? It's, it's bloody fantastic. And even though uh, I might not be the most ardent uh, monarchist <laughs> <laughs> going around, it's impossible not to be inspired by those words and not to, to appreciate the significance of the Queen, who doesn't do this very often, coming out, making this. It's like a State of the Union address. Yeah. It is calling the nation to arms, but it's not just the nation, it's the Commonwealth. It's the whole world, I think, is listening to the Queen today. And It's inspiring and it makes you want to do the right thing. It's the whole keep a stiff upper lip thing that the British do so well. They're exporting it now thanks to the Queen's message today and it's, um you hear God save the Queen in the background in my mind as I'm hearing her talk, and it's, it's just wonderful. It was just so powerful, and I think it's just what we needed to hear today.
0: Yeah, and I'm I not sure that many people stay up at, till 3 a.m. in the morning, Perth time, to hear these sorts of things, but I know people who did because they wanted to hear what the Queen had to say, and I think that's because we're all looking for reassurance, and I think that's what she delivered with that address. In the U.S., a tiger has become the first case of animal transmission.
1: Yeah, a tiger at the Bronx Zoo. The the zookeepers there had noticed that uh, a couple of tigers and a lion were looking a bit poorly, and they tested one of the tigers, and it came back positive for COVID-19, which is the first time that there has been a, a, a recorded case of human to animal transmission I know that's something that a lot of people worry about they worry about can they can they give it to their pet cat or dog or or whatever it is but so this is the first case where we've seen this animal transmission the tiger though is going to recover uh, which means though in the US now we've got the tiger king and a tiger who both have COVID-19.
0: And they've also got even bigger problems than that also with cruise ships in the United States.
1: Yeah, they have a they have a massive problem with cruise ships uh anchored all the way around the US and they don't know whether to let them on or not. Trump uh Amazingly, has shown a bit more of a humanitarian streak than you might suspect, and he has said that some of these people have to be taken off the cruise ship. But the U.S. Surgeon General, uh, Jerome Adams, has told NBC News Meet the Press that in the next week or so, America is facing its own a, a new Pearl Harbor moment. Uh, he's compared it to a like a nine eleven moment, uh, and you can see why. Like they've had they've the amount of deaths in America has doubled in the past week. It's up to 9,000 or so people. It's it's really terrible. They've had more confirmed cases of COVID-19, over 300,000 than Italy and Spain combined.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think that they are going to look back and think that this has been handled particularly well in any way, shape or form, whether it be health-wise, economic or, or anything. It's just been a complete disaster in the United States. In Ireland, though their Prime Minister has actually re-registered as a medical practitioner and is going to get back on the tools. This is amazing.
1: Yeah, how good is that? When I think every other world leader is trying desperately not to get COVID-19, Leo Varadkar is putting himself in harm's way literally putting himself in the fire line he's he was a, a doctor for seven years or so i think before he went into politics and so now he's re-registered and he's going to do one shift a week in a hospital uh, to help with the coronavirus crisis uh, in in Ireland now they're, like everybody like every country you know they're facing some real real serious issues uh, they've had they've had a number of deaths and and thousands of confirmed cases as well so this is a, an example of uh A leader leading by example.
0: Yeah, exactly. And now back here in home at home, I I love this. This is this roadhouse which is delivering beer and pizza to the most remote cattle stations. Yeah,
1: yeah. So he's not going. He doesn't have a moped, or he's not an Uber Eats driver. He's a pilot, so he's going <laughs> to he's going to fly his plane uh, tens of kilometres out to cattle stations to deliver beer and pizza uh, to the locals in his neck of the woods, which is pretty fantastic. If that isn't the Australian spirit of mateship in action, I don't know what is.
0: It's terrific. And just before we go, a message from another granny who's gone viral. Not the queen, but have a listen to this granny from Scotland. Hello everybody. I'm still here. I'm telling you like a bad penny. There's no getting rid of me. And I hope you're all keeping well and doing what you're told. Keep to the rules and you'll all be fine. It'll all pass. Bye bye for now. Love you all and think about you a lot. Just adorable. It's
1: so cute and great advice as well.
0: Great advice. Thank you, Granny. Well, that's it from us. We'll be back tomorrow for your WA Wrap of Coronavirus Watch.